Welcome to the Coaching for Nonprofits podcast. In this show, your favorite bean counters, John Lamb and Tiffany Lee, explore the world of nonprofits by the numbers through thoughtful conversations with mission-based leaders. Here are your hosts, John and Tiffany. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for tuning into our podcast, Coaching for Nonprofits. As we mentioned in our first podcast, we have three different types of shows, which we coined as Back to Basics, one session about change management and process improvement, as well as your usual podcast interviews and workshops. Today, what we're doing is a Back to Basics session. So we're going to be talking about an overview of the financial statements. Now, we make these podcasts for you to listen to. We understand people listen to them in the car while they're doing the dishes, walking the dog, that kind of thing. So we don't expect that you're going to necessarily be able to follow with the video. However, if you do have time later on, just head to coachingfornonprofits.com slash podcast. And if you find the show notes for this podcast, you'll be able to access a video where you can see some of the financial statements that we will be talking about. So our topic today is going to be to provide you with an overview of the four main financial statements. We'll look at the purpose of each statement, what information it contains, how to read the statements, and how to look smart when you're discussing them. So financial statements can be very intimidating to review, especially if you're a non-accountant. They typically contain a lot of numbers. There's a lot of accounting terminology and technical accounting, but, but financial statements can be very useful. Um, from an internal perspective, these statements can help you gain and some insight into the health of the organization. Things like how efficient is the organization at fulfilling its mission. Uh, it's also a good basis for you to kind of make strategic and financial decisions. External users, external stakeholders such as funders or donors would look to your financial statements to understand how are their contributions being used? Is it being used according to discussions and, and the mission? So depending on who the user is, financial statements can be prepared quite differently. One other quick thing to note here, our goal is to provide a summary or an overview of these financial statements. We're not going to be boring you to death with actual accounting stuff in this episode, but we do plan to teach that stuff in the future if you are interested. If you have specific accounting questions you'd like to discuss, please send us an email at hello at coachingfornonprofits.com. All right, let's jump in then. So as John mentioned just earlier here, we have four financial statements that typically management and the board will review. We have provided some samples that we'll walk through during our discussion here, and these are publicly disclosed. There's no confidential information shown here. So four statements, as we said, their statement of operations is the first one that we'll start with. So the statement of operations, and if you're following on the video, we're currently looking at a statement of financial activities or a statement of operations for Canadian Cancer Society. So remember, this is the same as an income statement in the for-profit world. Basically, this tells you how much money did you earn, how much money did you spend. That's basically what. So the current period, in this case 2021, is compared with the prior period, 2020. And this allows you to understand the difference or the changes that happen from one year to the next. Yeah, so if this was an internal report, you might switch up that comparative to something like your budget, for example, which, you know, that's the information you would share publicly. So that's something that you would keep for your own internal reporting. So walking through the statement, the statement includes obviously the revenues. In this case, looking at this sample, we see things like individual donations, lottery, charitable lottery funds, some government grants. 
And we also go through the expenses it can be grouped either by the type of cost. So things like salaries, rent, by function, program delivery or administration, or even just by the program itself. So obviously the difference between what you take in, so your revenue and your expenses is going to be your surplus or deficit. In this case, they call it again, something a little bit different, excess or deficiency, same thing. So naturally, if you take in more money than you spend, you have a surplus. If you spend more money than you take in, like they did here, you have a deficit or a deficiency. The other thing to note, and this is very common to nonprofits, is this split between an operations fund or a general fund and some kind of restricted fund. So this happens a lot in nonprofits. So you get money, but that money is tied to a certain thing. So government grants are going to be a key component of this. So the government says, we're funding this program. It has to be spent on these activities. That creates this restriction. And usually it's best to house funds dedicated to those types of things in a restricted fund so that you know exactly how much money went in and how much money you need to spend on those restricted activities. Now, it's really useful to understand how other people might look at these statements. So whether that's a donor or if you're applying for a grant, how somebody else is going to analyze this. So the things that people are going to look at the most revenue, they're going to try to understand, okay, where does your money come from? Is it growing or shrinking? Right. In this case, for example, individual donations went down quite a bit, $40 million. And so that might be a question that somebody's going to ask. Right. They're also going to look at, obviously, whether you're spending more money than you take in. So a healthy organization is going to take in more money than it spends. That speaks to the viability of the organization long term. And so that's something that they're going to look at. Other things, and you're noting here, you'll see this categorization of mission expenses. It's something that we're seeing more and more where organizations are splitting out kind of what do we spend on program delivery, like the, the core kind of delivery of services that our organization is supposed to be there for, and they'll have a total there. And then people will always look to understand your fundraising, how much money are you spending as a percentage on fundraising, as well as your admin. One last thing we want to point out is that excess and deficiency lines. So as a nonprofit org, you are you're targeting to get as close to zero here as possible. Yeah, simply because as a nonprofit, you're not supposed to be making a huge profit. So if you have too much there, it raises some alarm bells. And obviously, if you're losing money, then that, that's a different problem. So moving on to the next one, the statement of financial position, or what's more commonly known as the balance sheet. So a balance sheet is called a balance sheet because it balances. So this assets line that you're seeing here, the total has to equal the total of your liabilities and net assets shown here. And a key thing about the statement of financial position is that it is at a point in time. So it's a snapshot of your assets and your liabilities at a very specific point in time. Unlike the statement of operations, which looks at the activities over a period of time. Right. And so that's why a balance sheet is always going to be as at a certain date. So here you can see in this example, it's as at January 31st. That means at the end of January 31st, cash was this much, investments were this much, et cetera, et cetera. The reason why is you can imagine if you did this for a date range, so let's say the, the entire year, well, cash changes on a daily basis, right? You're spending money, money's coming in. So you don't have a specific number the cash is. And so that's a unique thing to the balance sheet. Again, it's basically on this one day. It's organized pretty similarly across the board. You're going to start off with current assets first, 
followed by long-term assets, and that makes up the asset section. Liabilities are exactly the same. You have current liabilities first, and then the long-term liabilities next, and then the total for the liabilities. And then the last piece, we would normally call this net assets. They call it fund balances. And so this is effectively the net assets section, and it totals here. Now, net assets is defined as total assets minus total liabilities. And so if the result is negative, it's called a net deficiency or a deficit. Effectively, it's the accumulation of all your surpluses or deficits all through the years, right? And so if you've consistently had a surplus, then you should have a relatively sizable net assets line or balance. The larger the net asset balance usually means that the entity is, is stronger. A large deficiency points to problems that they're consistently losing money or spending more than they take in. The caveat though is with nonprofits, you don't want a huge, huge net asset amount because it may turn off donors, right? So let's say you have $20 million in accumulated surpluses. At some point, people are going to ask, well, you kind of have 20 million in the piggy bank. Why can't you just spend that instead of asking me for money? So that's just a, a small quirk that nonprofits have. Yeah. And so we're going to pull up another statement here, just as an example. Before we do that, I just wanted to point out, you can see in the Cancer Society's balance sheet, there's a lot of these notes um, next to each of the line items. And really just to give you some context, those are notes to the financial statement. So your audit statements typically have a lot more detail than just what's sitting here in this balance sheet. So you can go through each of these statements where the notes are and look at, you know, what type of investments are there, what kind of intangible assets. So something more for the audited statements, but just wanted to point that out. Yeah. And then in fact, accountants will tell you they get more information from the notes than they do in, mm -hmm. from the actual statements. So note seven, deferred contributions. As you can see, it's giving you more detail than this, than the single line the item. Balance, yeah. So in this case, it's telling you how much there was at the beginning of the year, how much they recognized throughout the year, or how much they got and then recognized, and then what the balance was at the end of the year. Similarly, most of these other notes are going to describe the difference between from year to year, any causes of those differences, but also just effectively give you more detail on what that number is comprised of. And so, yeah, again, you know, we are getting into accounting person territory, but if you do want to really understand what those numbers mean, the notes are typically where you're going to find that. So when you look at the balance sheet, what can it tell you about the health of the organization? Balance sheet, I think it is one that the management and the board, they do a review of it, but they're probably only focusing on a few things. Cash is probably one of those, those main things that they're going to focus on. So as an example here, we can see cash at the end of 2020 for Boys and Girls Club Canada. They've have $1.4 million of cash. But looking down further to their current liabilities, their accounts payable and their accrued liabilities, they're sitting at 3.4. For just an external reader like me, my question is going to be like, okay, what are they going to do in order to kind of bridge that gap? There are things in their current assets that are close to being cash, but not quite. So, you know, things like other receivables or their grants, can that be turned to cash quick enough? to meet their liabilities. Those are the kind of questions that you might want to think through as either a board member or even management when you're looking at other organizations to understand industry trends. The next thing people will key in on is this net assets number. So growth in net assets is typically a good thing. Some kind of healthy balance in net assets is usually a good thing. Again, we already discussed having too much in there, in which case you might want to to manage that piece. And then the other thing that just to note in this case, there's a deferred contributions line. This again is a very common nonprofit line item. So it means that somebody gave you money that you're supposed to spend in a different year. And so in this case, 
the seven million dollars is money that they've pledged to spend in future periods. So you just need to know that and make sure that you deduct that if you're analyzing it from the current assets here, because it's money that they got that they promised to spend on something. All right. So moving on to the next two financial statements we would like to go over. These ones uh, typically appear in your audit of financial statements. So if you're going through these samples here, you'll see them. It would be the statement of changes in net assets and statement of cash flow, but they typically receive less attention in internal reporting. Okay. So statement of changes in fund balances or statement of changes in net assets Usually, you're only going to produce this for your audited statements. Nobody else will look at this or really care about it. But yeah, it starts with what your fund balance was at the beginning of the year. Then what changes happened is this middle part. And then obviously, the, the total of that is going to what your fund balance is at the end of the year. Basically, this is an explanation of this part of your balance sheet, right? So it has the same line items as your net assets. So if you have different categories of net assets, then you're also going to have different categories in this statement of changes of net assets, as you can see here in different columns. And then, like I said, what did it start out at? What happened throughout the year? What did it end at? That's basically it. The second statement that will be on your audited statements and probably nowhere else is your statement of cash flows. So this was the bane of every accounting student's existence when we went to school. It is just a huge thing to even wrap your brain around how this stuff is all calculated. That being said, the only people that are going to care about this are accountants and finance people, because like I said, they're the only ones that really understand it. This is very useful. And if you're doing a, you know, hardcore financial analysis of a public company, you know, this is going to be super important. But for you, it's probably not. Yeah. This really just shows where did you spend your cash, essentially, is a going back to it ties. It does tie into your statement of operation. So it starts with the excess or deficit of revenue over expenses. And then it kind of walks you through, you know, back out the non-cash items. Where did you spend it in terms of investing activities or financing activities if you incurred some debt and loans and things like that? So it gives the user some idea where the cash is being used. And ultimately, the tie back into the balance sheet is the cash balance that year. Yeah. And I would say that the main point of a cash flow statement is when you're preparing the other financial statements, it's not on a cash basis. That's a kind of a key thing. So there's a lot of kind of accounting, you'll hear this term called accruals, where it's it's like you have an expense, but you didn't actually spend cash on it. And so in some some companies, especially like for-profit companies, there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. And so that's why the statement of cash flows, it tells you specifically what cash went out and went in. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they find it useful. But again, for your sake, you probably just need to know it exists and that's it. I've I don't think in 20 years of dealing for, with nonprofits, I've ever seen a question about the cash flow statement. All right. So that's really the high level overview of financial statements. Again, we know we covered a lot of ground today. As we mentioned earlier, you can grab these sample statements for your own review at your convenience off our website. But last but not least, John. Yeah, we want to have a little fun when we do these trainings and we're starting a new segment in each podcast called how to look good doing it that's our fashion show theme song all right 
So here at Coaching for Nonprofits, we don't want to just give you information in a fun and easy to digest way. We want to make sure that you can actually use it and look fantastic doing it. So here are some ways to look good, whether it's in front of your board, in front of your finance chair, in front of your CEO, whatever. Okay. So the first is obviously to understand all those key terms that we just threw at you. So knowing that income statement and statement of operations are the same thing. You know, I know that that could be confusing. It even confuses me sometimes. But just understanding that those are the same thing is going to go a long way. Same thing with balance sheet and a statement of financial position, right? Yeah. And just generally, how are those statements laid out? The categories, so things we talked about, you know, the revenues, expenditures, what assets, you know, it's laid out current, then long-term. Just understanding the, the categories and, and how the statement is read will be very important too. The second thing is a magic spell, magic spell called variance analysis. So if you whisper these words in the ears of any accountant, their hearts will melt in front of you. So an accountant, especially one that came up through the CA, the chartered accounting route, they spent like half their bloody articling life doing variance analysis. Okay. So what variance analysis means is something changed from one period to one period or from your budget to what you actually spent. So that's a variance, right? One minus the other is the difference or the variance. Now, if you go ahead and find the explanations for why these variances happened, your finance chair is going to love you to death. Okay. Basically, this is the tool that they use to figure out what to ask questions on. And if you do it in advance and give them an answer, you're going to give them the impression that you know exactly what's happening in your organization and they're going to trust you, you know, 10 times more. Okay. We will be going through variance analysis more in depth when we go through like the internal management financial statements. So definitely, if you want to understand how to do that, check into that episode. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as John just mentioned, you just investigate in those large variances and be prepared for questions. And it's not just questions from the board, but again, you know, in terms of running your business, when you look at these internal reports, probably monthly or quarterly, it's giving you clues if, if there's a red flag that you need to be aware of sooner rather than later, right? If, if your donations are coming half as much as you expected, how are you going to make up that difference, right? So those things also, you know, in addition to looking great in front of the board, but also help you run your organization. Great. So a quick example with these actual statements here of Cancer Society, and we'll just, again, go through this really, really quick so you, that you understand. So variants, we already talked about one. So from 2020 to 2021, there was a $46 million drop in individual donations. That's a huge mm -hmm. red flag, right? That's yeah. something somebody's going to ask a question about. So when you're talking about this again, just wave the magic wand, say we did variance analysis. We saw that there was a huge drop in individual donations. Here's why, because COVID hit, yeah. no, you know, some campaign didn't work or, or whatever it was, right? Just have that analysis yeah. ready. Something that you don't need to explain are small changes. So like in this case, advocacy expenses went down from 3.6 million to 2.9, like in the scheme of their operations, that are, that's a very small amount. So you don't need to explain stuff like that. It's only things that are really big in terms of dollar amounts or things that changed on a really huge percentage basis. And as usual, when we go through things like this, we'll typically have free resources for you. Our mission is to help nonprofits kind of look as great as they possibly can so that they can focus on doing the fantastic work they do helping real people. And so we do have free templates of all of these financial statements that you can download and use in your own organization or tweak. 
And just you can find those at again coachingfornonprofits.com slash podcast. And we'll try to link to those in the podcast description there. All right, with that, that concludes our overview on financial statements today. We hope that this has been useful for you. And as always, if you have questions or comments, please let us know at hello at coachingfornonprofits.com. Have a fantastic day and we'll chat again soon. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Coaching for Nonprofits podcast. To learn more about how to manage your nonprofit by the numbers, connect with John Lamb at john at coachingfornonprofits.com. 